Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have what we call the deciding point, our weekly recaps of all the action happening across the college tennis world. Of course, this past weekend was of particular importance and excitement to college tennis fans everywhere as we had the 2022 ITA kickoff weekend on our hands. Of course, our Crack Rackets team was so fortunate to be able to cover seven different regions throughout the course of the past four days. We thank all of you listeners who tuned in to our coverage. A shout out as always to super producer Daniel Westoff. He killed it on the ones and twos and broadcasts like that. Something we are looking forward to doing more moving forward. But of course, on today's show, we have to recap all of last weekend's action. Talk about our five most impressive performers. Talk to Old Dominion women's tennis head coach Don Manila on what was a standout performance from his team to advance to the national indoor championships. Then, of course, we want to preview the week ahead. Talk about the matches all of you fans can expect over the course of the next few days. Then, of course, offer our first Cracked Rackets top 10 poll of the 2022 season. But before we can do any of that, I got to bring in my co-host, the only man you would want to help you steer the ship on a weekend like that. Of course, you know him as your co-favorite writer on our website, crackrackets.com, founder of the No Ad, No Problem blog, known curmudgeon on college tennis, tennis Twitter. Of course, it is our friend, John J. Parsons. Jay, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. You worn down or still adrenaline rushing after a weekend like that? Well, first of all, known curmudgeon, my <laughs> reputation precedes me. That's a new addition. Um, we'll have to talk about that one off mic. Um, but no, my red zone debut, uh, that was exciting. I was worn out after that, though. I have no idea how you do it. I think you probably spoke 95% of the time, and I was just 5% of the time, but it's a lot of work. Uh, so I was, I was worn out. Uh, yeah, I hadn't checked my phone in hours, you know, people thought I was dead. It, it, it was a whole thing, but it was great to join you on the broadcast. Uh, looking forward to do more of those. It makes these shows that much more exciting. feels like I've immersed myself, uh, through the weekend. So I'm ready to go. Three things off of that. A curmudgeon has a positive connotation. Troublemaker is a bad thing. Curmudgeon means you're, you know, poking the bear, but in the best way possible in a way to try and make all of us better. Or at least we'll, that's we'll how I work, was raised. We'll workshop that one. I, all right. You're right. We'll put that in the workshop. Part B, 95%, 5%. I feel your passive aggressive dig. That's just a dagger. <laughs> but I know. I know what you're doing there. Uh, but yeah, welcome to the, I have 300 unresponded texts life. That's, uh, that's the fun of being a part 
part of this Crack Rackets team, but I want to emphasize this again. It's super producer Daniel Westoff who kills it each and every week. He's got to change courts constantly. He always has to be locked in. I can wander and look at a score here or an update there. Westoff always on the ones and twos too. So shout out to him. Of course, we have him on the ones and twos today. And hopefully all of you now are tuning in live on YouTube. I know some of you will be listening to this in podcast form. I always appreciate those who do that, but come join us each and every week here. Jay and I are going to be recording these 9 a.m., uh, 9 a.m., 9 p.m. Eastern time. I don't think I do anything at 9 a.m. anymore. 9 p.m. Eastern time here talking about all the latest and greatest happenings in the college tennis world. We hope all of you tuning in right now will interact with us throughout the show. We want to hear your takes. We want to know what all of you are thinking, your reactions. But of course, to those of you listening on the podcast, we hope you join us moving forward. I also have to give a shout out to our new sponsor of the Deciding Point, Jay. It is a company I know near and dear to my heart. It's our friends at Swing Tennis. And I am so grateful to be able to offer a personal testimonial to the technology being developed by Swing Tennis. Some of you know, I played club tennis back in college, formative years. Hubris from that gave me the confidence to do what I do today. That's something to unpack a different time. But of course, something uh, that I still near and dear to my heart is getting to meet up with my former college uh, tennis club tennis teammates. And uh, you know, getting the opportunity to go. We went down to Miami a couple of months ago and we had a big hitting weekend. And of course, all of us still want to document our stuff, right? We want to see ourselves play. We want to know who the best is. We want to analyze our game, how bad it looks now compared to what it once may have looked like. One of our buddies, Kyle Zoo, brings out his phone. He says, guys, I downloaded this app. It's called the Swing Tennis app. We say, oh, okay, what's that? He's like, well, it documents your play, but you know, and then he started explaining it. And as always, none of us listened because it was Kyle and we're like, okay, put it up. Uh, and of course they put up the swing vision app, uh, right away on, uh, the swing vision app on his phone. And he says, trust me, I'm going to record the session. You guys are going to enjoy this. So he records it. We take it down. We open up the swing vision app right away. Forehands, backhands, approach shots, volleys, serves. What do you want to see by category? And we're like, whoa, wait, wait. What is this? And we are so fortunate to say now that those friends at Swing Vision are now our partners here at Crack Rackets. They've documented over 100,000 players, over a million different swings. They can document your game moving forward as well. And we're going to give all of you listeners the chance to learn more about our friends at Swing Vision later on in this show. You're going to hear from their founder. You're going to hear an interview he did uh, with our friends at Tennis Channel a few days ago. And again, this is a partnership we're so excited to explore. It's a company Andy Roddick, James Blake, others are invested into because it really is the future to document yourself, to be able to see your ball trajectory, see how you need to improve and to have it all organized for you. We see the future with Swing Vision. We think all of you will as well. So shout out to our friends at Swing Vision, latest and greatest sponsors here of us at Crack Rackets. Really excited to be partnering with them moving forward. But Jay, with all of that said, Swing Vision aside, uh, let's talk about last week's ITA kickoff weekend. And I want to start with a recap of our predictions. Talk to all of you about the 15 teams that advanced to the national indoor finals in Wisconsin. If we can, super producer Daniel Westoff, let's put that graphic on the screen now. I apologize to those of you podcast listeners hearing that. Uh, but of course, this is what you're missing out on. We have the list. How did Jay do? How did I do over the course of the week? Jay, you go 12 for 15, my friend, 12 and three. That's pretty darn good, right? 80% hit percentage and not a shock. 
you beat me. I only get 10 of 15 correct. Now I'll say that, uh, you know what? I'm not going to defend myself. You win, my friend. Mazel Tov. You listeners can see the teams on the screen. For those of you listening in podcast form, the 15 teams to advance, Texas, Pepperdine, UNC, Georgia, Cal, NC State, UVA, Florida, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Texas A&M, USC, Auburn, Washington, Old Dominion, and then, of course, our 16th team will be the host of the University of Wisconsin, notably absent. Jay, you sent out this tweet. We talked about it in the moment. No Stanford, no UCLA, no Duke. That's got to be the first time this century none of those teams are there. Gloat, if you will, my friend. But overall, your takeaways from the re- from the weekend. Well, there was really one goal for the weekend, beat and me. that was to beat you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very proud to have accomplished that goal, um, and not by one, but two. So I would say not particularly close, given in the grand scheme of things. Um, overall, I will say this: I'm going to say by one because I didn't call Washington over UCLA because I, I just didn't want to look. I mean, it was dumb. I was tentative. But like 10 and a half to 12, 10 and a half, one and a half. You covered the spread. Check the tapes. <laughs> we we discussed it equally. Washington had a chance. I moved him out of my tier one locks for that same reason. Um, but neither one of us were, were to pull the trigger on that one. Uh, you know, the, the three that were the most surprising we'll talk about um, for me were Auburn, Old Dominion, and... Washington. I mean, yeah, Yeah. of of course. No, I mean, all of them. I mean, there were upsets is the key here. And you can see on the graphic who were the hosts that lost UCLA ends up getting knocked off. Florida State ends up getting knocked off. Georgia Tech, UCF, obviously, notably Duke gets knocked off at well. Host seeds. It was no sure thing. Right. And I mean, there was four, three tennis across the board. But yeah, there was some serious damage done. Yeah, much more felt like on the women's side than the men's side. Uh, I think a lot of this is due to, you know, the the just the change in the rosters that we're starting to see with the new additions more so than ever, I feel like, with the extra year of eligibility. And it feels like we're operating on like a, a half-to-half basis, like fall season, spring season. It's like H1 and H2 of the year rather than a full academic year. Um, so, But overall, it was it, it made the weekend super exciting. Ton of 4-3s, lots of upsets. Um, which is what you want for the kickoff weekend, right? Not as fun when it just goes chalk. No, there was no chaser. Straight shots were into the college tennis season. And you talk now about some of your most impressive performers. That's our next exercise here. And that's what we want to do. Of course, we'll try to briefly touch on all of the regional winners, the teams that advanced to our final 16 in Madison. But we wanted to narrow it down to our five most impressive performers of the weekend. We have the countdown for all of you now. Let's start out with the number five team on our list. And I don't think this is going to be a team that will surprise any of our listeners, our viewers here today to see on this top five. It's got to be the University of Virginia, who, yes, were a preseason top 10 team both from the ITA rankings and our college tennis, uh, our college contender series as well. And yes, they were hosts this weekend uh, and they earned an easy 4-0 victory over James Madison. But you look for this Virginia team to knock off a Stanford team that 
preseason, and I will say I thought they were going to have Michaela Gordon, but preseason, we're very much in the conversation as a potential team to make a national championship run when you bring in players like Connie Ma, like Alex Yepafanova, all of the talent they brought back as well. Certainly, you know, this was a battle and the result said as much. 4-3, who's ultimately advanced that they drop the doubles point, get wins from their top four. It was an impressive performance for Coach O'Leary in Virginia. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the sweep at the top four after losing doubles. I think that was what was most impressive for me. I think we know that Virginia is really strong up top. I was concerned that once they lost that doubles point, the bottom of the lineup would be what was going to lose them this match. And ultimately, you know, that top three of Navarro, Travinsky, with the great win over Yepafanova, and to have Subash at three, that's a luxury, right? That's definitely one of, if not the most dangerous top three in the country. And for them to get a win at four, that's a huge boost. That's what they need. And they played, uh, at least at the number six match, they played Stanford really close. So, you know, uh, this was a team I, I we thought was going to be dangerous. They did this without freshman, freshman uh, Melody Collard, who I thought was kind of going to be that linchpin piece at number four and allow some of the returners to play five and six. I'm not sure when we'll see her back, but overall an incredibly impressive victory for Virginia to just rely on the strength of that top three and top four now. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about Travinsky, the freshman who lines up at that number two singles position. I believe she was nine and seven in the fall, which is pretty good for a freshman to get nine victories. But I mean, for her to start out at the number two singles position and get the win over Yepafanova in three sets when, when all due respect, Yepafanova, probably the more highly touted recruit coming into this season. At least you look at the ITA newcomers rankings, right? I think Yepafanova was ahead of Travinsky on that list. It's a hell of a win for Travinsky and it justifies the decision from coach O'Leary to play Subash at three. And when you talk about locks from a lineup perspective, Subash at three is a lock of locks, right? You feel pretty good about her in that position against just about anyone, including teams like Pepperdine and Texas and UNC and Cal. Now I feel like has to be thrown on that list as well. And just for that win. And then for Emma Navarro, who like we have taken her excellence for granted, but a three set victory for her after dropping a tight second set to Connie Ma, she didn't go away. And that's what you expect out of a defending NCAA champ. That also could very well be Jay an NCAA singles final preview. Like if this was, you know, how they do preseason Super Bowl odds and they give you like all the different combinations, this would be a top five combination, I think, right now. Like I don't, it's not absurd to see Ma and Navarro face off later in May. Certainly. Uh, and I expect Connie Ma to continue to get better, right? I mean, this is someone who is is new to college tennis. Um, you know, she has a lot to learn both, uh, you know, off the court in terms of just adjusting to the atmosphere. She fits like a hand in a glove. I was talking to a few people in this week and you can just see she thrives on this energy. You can see once she kind of understands um, what it means to play in college tennis, she's just going to be such a force for so many years to come. But ultimately, Navarro's you know, experience just paid off. And, it, you know, you look at her and she was cool out there throughout the entire match um, and just so clutch in the end. And I thought they both played really well. So I would not surprise me at all to see this as a later round in May. Yeah. And on the flip side, let's talk about it for Stanford. 
young team, no Gordon. Interesting to see the, the lineup, the freshmen in the top two positions. And, you know, then it goes Blake Geller at three and four of uh, Valencia shoe, another freshman at that number five spot, Sarah Choi at six, you know, Choi shoe do end up getting the victories. I think if you're the Cardinals, you feel pretty good about coming out of this weekend, right? Because this is an experienced Virginia team. And yeah, Yepa loses at two, but you know, the Subash loss and, or the Subash victory and the Navarro over Ma victory, you feel like this is a pretty good building block for your young team, right? If you're Coach Fruit. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of could be one of those losses you look back uh, early in the season and say that helped us, you know, give us some fire that we needed to continue on for the rest of the season. I do think it's a big, big hit uh, to not be attending national indoors this year, particularly with the expanded field. So you can kind of pencil this in for another year of Stanford being underranked, uh, despite the talent that they have on their team. Thankfully for them, it seems like the Pac-12 will be, you know, on the upswing at least with with Cal and USC, and you know they'll play uh, matches against Pepperdine. But that's probably what blows the most. Not necessarily losing this four three loss to Virginia at home, but just the lack of opportunity to get additional matches at indoors. Yeah, and you mentioned the matches they have coming in. I think they're playing Pepperdine this year as well, and so. Look, Stanford's going to get the chance to earn ranked victories, but for a young team, that national indoors, so valuable. So, of course, we'll look back to Stanford. And, of course, shout out to Arkansas, who gets that third win 4-1 over James Madison. Uh, But that was your Virginia region, and certainly with the experience of the Cavaliers up top and just, you know, how good Navarro's looked and Subash at three. You feel like, okay, there's two points on the board. we got to find two more. They've got the talent to find those two more. Big weekend for Virginia. That's a good win for them. That that's it. That's a next step sort of win, right? The last year they were young this year, you beat the young team. Good win for the Cavaliers, but that's number five on our list. Let's talk about number four a team. We talked about last week after they struggled on the road and it struggle might be a bit hyperbolic Four three losses at Duke at NC state. I actually think in retrospect, we shouldn't knock our number four team, the Ohio state Buckeyes for that loss, because you look, I mean, A, Duke right in the mix for a national indoor spot. NC State comfortably cruising into the national indoors. Ohio State on the road, first weekend of the season. They now come back home for the kickoff weekend. Tough regional. We all circled it. Oklahoma State, LSU, Tennessee coming to town. Buckeyes drop one point on their way to the national indoor finals, earn a 4-1 victory over Oklahoma State, a match we were fortunate enough to be on the broadcast for. And I thought a match that was sneaky high quality, despite some absences for the Cowgirls. You look for Ohio State, they're able to take the doubles point, right? And that was something they did not do against Oklahoma, uh, against NC State nor Duke. And then, you know, they get victories uh, from the freshman, Sidney Ratliff at three. They get a victory from Coley Allen, the veteran at four. And then the player of the weekend for them is Isabel Boulay, who has been the standout starter amongst all the starters for them this season. Two more singles victories for her, two doubles victories as well. She and Coley Allen looked excellent in that 6-3 victory at number two over Mertena and Tomase. And then, you know, Boulay gets a win at two. Ratliff, the freshman, delivers at three. In the end, the All-American up top, Arena Contos, comes through 4-0 over a Tennessee team that dominated LSU the day prior. And, you know, with that result in mind, we thought this one was going to be a barn burner. We thought this one was going to be close. With all due respect to Tennessee, it was not. And you can see the embrace there on your screen if you're watching on YouTube between two Tennessee volunteers and Coach Ojeda and Coach Schaub. But when looking at this match, 
I, it doesn't tell me anything about Tennessee like in a negative aspect. What this match told me was the Buckeyes were, they looked at last weekend. They said, this is unacceptable. Coach Schaub and the team corrected the ship. They were excellent this weekend. And this performance is more a testament to them than anything else. Yeah. And that's what make is, makes them on this list for most impressive teams, right? Just the ability in which they bounce back from two tough road losses. They come, we had them on upset alert, just given the strength of the region of the teams that they were hosting. And, you know, they drop one point in route to it. And the manner in which they did it was convincing, right? Against high quality teams. And I think what was interesting too, is we talk a lot about Ohio state's depth being one of the things that won them a ton of matches last year. It was doubles on the top of the lineup this weekend, uh, which was really great to see. You mentioned Isabel Boulay, who had a really fantastic weekend, freshman Sydney Ratliff. Uh, you know, getting those wins at the top of the lineup tells you a lot about Ohio State. You feel like they're probably going to figure out the bottom of the lineup soon. But if that top of the lineup clicks the way it did this weekend, they're going to continue to be a super dangerous team. Yeah. And in particular to have Boulay and Allen or what, like 16 and three or something crazy like that last season at that number two position and not completely unjustifiably. Yes. I think coach Schaub and Tucker, uh, you know, collaborated and they were conspired. That's the word I was looking for because this is nefarious, by the way, collaborated, not nefarious, conspired, nefarious, the same way, you know, known curmudgeon, not nefarious, known troublemaker, nefarious. Um, I think they were just like, all right, we're going to put cash and votes at two and you're going to put Boulay and Allen at two. And then they're just going to be like, well, what is up in Columbus? And no one will say anything. Um, I, I think Allen and Boulay are as good of a doubles team as you're going to find. And it just feels like there are now options for this team to have a junior senior combo in Marzal and Dorme at that three position. I thought they played well all weekend long. And then again, it's just, experience everywhere plus a freshman who was much better in weekend two than weekend one. Where's the weakness? There's no glaring hole in this Buckeyes lineup. And I think that's the biggest takeaway for me. Agreed. Right. If anything, you know, you, you don't feel that bad about the depth. They'll figure it out. They were probably a little more vulnerable this weekend down low than they were, were up top, but that's been a strength for them. Certainly last year, I anticipate it will be once they figure out who's the four, who's five, who's six, uh, ultimately super impressed with the performance. And I mean, they should feel really good about going into indoors. This is a team. If you watched any of them this weekend, they play indoor tennis. <laughs> they are aggressive and uh, they'll be looking to get a few scalps uh, at Wisconsin courts that they're comfortable on. No, it's a big point there. Indoor tennis, Midwest town, Buckeyes, a team to circle as one that could be sneaky dangerous at the national indoors. But again, that's the number four team on our list. Just to put a cap on the region, you look overall, Oklahoma State able to get a win over an LSU team that didn't feel the number three doubles team, didn't feel the number six singles team, but I thought Oklahoma State looked really good. I think they're in the mix for a top 16 seed. And ditto for Tennessee, who dominated LSU. I think they dropped, what, like five games in the three through five single spots in that match. They were dominant. Yeah, I, that Oklahoma State team is going to be really dangerous. You know, they were without a few starters during this weekend, which is tough because if you followed indoors last year, you know that they struggled with health there, hosting indoors um, so you hope that they're healthy soon. They've scheduled super aggressively. So if they can get healthy, they have the schedule to certainly cement themselves into that top 16. So definitely be on the lookout for them. And you know, we talk a lot about the depth in the SEC. Tennessee is going to be up there in terms of that top half of the SEC. Uh, it's going to be a gauntlet there. 
Well, that's the thing. You get Georgia, you get Florida, you get Texas A&M up there in the SEC. Tennessee's going to have shots at all of them. Now, of course, they would have loved to make that national indoors. And I do think, again, that's a team. You do not want them. If they're not a top 16 seed, you're being like, are you serious? We got Tennessee in our region come the NCAA tournament. Ditto with Oklahoma State, who, man, one of my sneaky takeaways, and we'll get into this, I think the Big 12 sneaky good this year, just across the board. It may not even be sneaky. They're just good. Like, Who's your worst team in the in the conference? Like, West we don't Virginia. have to. Yeah, I was gonna say we don't have to count <laughs> anyone out, but it's just like you know. Again, I guess team six, seven, eight—they're all very good this season, and so I'm intrigued to see how Oklahoma State does, and I'm excited for Texas this year because last year just felt like they steamrolled everyone. This year's team will not steamroll through the Big Twelve, and so, anyways, that was one of my sneaky takeaways. But certainly, you're right, the Buckeyes. They look dangerous. They look much improved. And this is just a callous team now. You look at all the matches they've played. Oklahoma State, Tennessee, NC State, Duke. They're ready for the national indoors. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. But with that in mind, let's get to number three. And, you know, for our top three teams, all pulled off upsets here. Went on the road, beat off the host, and, you know, knocked them off. And now headed to uh, the national indoors in Wisconsin. A team that... In retrospect, I'm just so angry at myself for not picking them just to prevent you the bragging rights. Even if I was wrong, it'd be like, well, at least now we're both wrong. But our number three team has to be Oklahoma, who not only drops the doubles point before taking a 4-1 victory over Furman and doing exactly what a team, uh, the top 10 team does to a really good 25 through 30 team like Furman and beating them at the five and six singles position, which is what Oklahoma does in, you know, to get four of their singles victories. But it's also just the way that Duke match played out. And, you know, we were fortunate to be on the call for that match. And we watched the doubles point. Duke was in control for the first 30 minutes. They just were. And, you know, they get a quick win uh, in that match. I believe it was, I want to say for Duke, what was it? The number two position that they got the quick win at? In, in Georgia Drummond. Uh, oh, in doubles, it was at number three. Number three. Thank you. It was the number three position. Yeah, it was Jackson and Coleman, the 6-1 victory uh, for Oklahoma. Thank you. And then, you know, at number one, Drummy Barankova, they're, they're on serve and they're up ahead. And it just felt like they were the ones with the break point chances. And then in a five-minute switch, Corley and Corley got the break and, you know, now Duke's on their back foot at one and, you know, Sleeth and Pisareva are up a break seemingly the entire match before giving that break back and seeding it to Duke, but they were up on the scoreboard seemingly, you know, the entire time. And then they're up one out just like that. And they race out to first sets and singles, whether it's Sleeth or Corley or, you know, Staker. And then, you know, Chanta delivers Oklahoma State's just really good brag. Take, take your moment. This is your time to shine, Jay. You well, this, were right. is, this has been a team that I've been talking about for a few months now, just with the talent they have, the depth that they have. It's been really impressive. I think the biggest question was just how does the team pull all those pieces together, right? They've got these new additions. They've got transfers and, you know, they come into Durham. They're facing a Duke team that is coming off a very impressive weekend. They had just beaten Princeton. They had beaten Ohio state and the manner in which they did it to me said, this is a this is a team, right? Because this that was a team victory. That was everyone contributing at every spot in the lineup, whether it was staying out there extra long or you know getting your point on the board. Just a really impressive team victory for the Oklahoma Sooners. And you know, it was one I circled. I'm, I'm glad I called the upset. 
I couldn't find it official confirmation, but I went back and looked at their schedule. I'm pretty sure this is at least the first time in forever that they've qualified for national indoors. Yeah, I I would agree. Um, we'll say first time in forever. Coach Cohen, you have the digits. You can let me know how incorrect we are. Um, but you're absolutely right. And in, you know, again, Furman match aside and watching that Furman team, I think they are just as good as last season. Like, keep yep. your eye on Furman. They are dangerous. Old Dominion is dangerous. They may take a scalp at the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, one of those teams I could very well see, at least in the Sweet 16. But you look for this Oklahoma team, and you're right. It was the fact that they blocked out what happened at number one singles, Georgia Drummy, an 0-0 victory in about 35 minutes. And it was one all on the scoreboard. Certainly didn't feel that way. I mean, just for Oklahoma and for their freshmen in particular, for Chacha to win over Kelly Chen at number four. Like, come on now. that That's the sort of depth you, you pray for if you're Coach Cohen and you just say, okay, let's just stay alive out there and let's not lose there. Let's give our seniors or our contributors a little bit more time. And then, you know, again, Stecker's week at number six, just for her to get back-to-back victories, they've got the depth. Obviously, Corley, Sleeth, Corley, you feel pretty good about your top three going up against anyone. And, you know, credit to Chloe Beck, who I'm telling you, she just doesn't lose in those scenarios. I think she was going to beat Sleeth after dropping that first set. And, you know, credit to uh, uh, Ellie Coleman, the freshman, who did fight back and ultimately takes that second set and does keep her team alive. But it just felt like Duke was on their back foot from those last 10 minutes of doubles through the first hour and a half of singles. And just at a certain point, the wall breaks and Oklahoma broke them. And that's what's so that's why they're number three on this list. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And because Duke this, played well is what I'm trying exactly. to clarify. Like Duke played well enough to win. Exactly. And this is a very good Duke team who showed us that the weekend before. And Oklahoma is, is just as good, clearly better on the day. Um, so in some ways you feel like the, the Chanta win is a benefit of, you know, coming in in January and like not knowing who Kelly Chen is or what her record in college is and just like facing the person across the net. Um, but overall, to get wins both from Chanta and Staker, to your point, freshman delivering, you know, that's what you love to see. And they obviously have the experience of the Corley sisters and others throughout the lineup. So they're building something special in Norman, and it's going to be exciting to see them at National Indoors. Yeah, uh, we have confirmation, by the way, you may have seen me smiling. First time ever, highest ranked win in program history. So shout out to the Sooners. Yeah, they they were excellent. Uh, they really were. And, you know, you look at the schedule now moving forward for this team that they are going to have the looks at, you know, of course, Texas later on this season, all of those big 12 teams we talked about. Then, you know, post indoors, they get USC at home. They're going to UCF, who probably won't be as high as the ranking as they are now, but that's still a good match. Then, of course, we've talked about this before, the hidden gem in late April. It was just like, you know what? You want to play Pepperdine? And then Pepperdine's like, yeah, you know, what's what's worse than a trip to, you know, nothing better than a trip to Norman on April 17th. And so, yeah, I, I, it's good scheduling, uh, certainly. And it'll give us a chance to see just how good these Sooners are, because it does feel like a relatively new team. But to your point, you've said it the whole time, Jay, a team that's ready to have success right now. Yeah, I mean, they've come out of the gate firing. Uh, and this is what, what you want to see. Question to see how long they can continue the momentum for sure. But overall, I think this team is going to have a lot of success this season. And I just think a lot of success in the years to come. There's no reason why Oklahoma tennis uh, can't be, you know, 
you know, it, well, I was going to say a, a threat in the Big 12 each year, but maybe in the SEC moving forward. So um, but overall, just a great weekend for the Sooners. That's how high you are on this program. You think even in the future, there's still going to be a threat in the Big 12. That's what that tells me. Um, no. All right. Well, they're the number three on our list. Now, on the flip side, you look for Duke, who the weekend prior, really good weekend, beat Ohio State, beat Princeton at home. They played well enough to win this match, and you'll see in our top 10 rankings. I feel no worse about this Duke team. I think this is another one of those instances we learned about Oklahoma. We didn't, this is nothing, not a detraction from Duke. Yeah, not at all. This is one of those bad draws, right? This is one where you're like, can't they both advance, <laughs> right? I think these teams are both top 16 in the country. Uh, but overall, not a great draw for Duke. They had to take on just a really good Oklahoma team. And uh, yeah, I don't feel any worse about them. Still feel really strong about them moving forward. They've got the experience up top. They've got freshmen who will continue to adjust to college tennis, you know, really solid players. We saw that in doubles. So, you know, no issues about Duke. They'll still be a threat in the ACC. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Now, I didn't get to see much of Jackson, but Coleman, 18-0, and 0, games one on day number one, and then, you know, good fight for her at uh, on day two as well. So I like the pieces they have. And then, honestly, again, I really like Furman. And I think Nebraska was pretty darn good, too. Like, I think Nebraska is very much NCAA tournament should be the expectation for that team, uh, if not this season, because I've got a lot of sophomores, certainly over the next couple of years. But that's our number three performers, Oklahoma. And, of course, it's always worth mentioning. There's still a player out of their lineup they'll bring back in Guzman. So you've brought that up in the past. Yeah, it's going to be exciting times, uh, certainly moving forward. Well, with that in mind, let's get to our number two team here. And, you know, again, it's tough choices, right? I'm sure some of you are thinking, wait, there's only two teams left. I feel like there are three teams who should be in these two spots. Don't worry. We're going to try and touch on everyone. But the number two team on our list, I think, has to be anytime you do something for the first time in, you know, almost 20 years or 20 years, however long it was, you get into our top five. And that's the University of Washington, who, of course, the headline result, four, three over UCLA to advance to the national indoors, but perhaps the sneakier result four, three over Denver the day before to do that back to back to do have the exact same match calculus. Let's win doubles. Let's win two. Let's win three. Let's win four. I mean, we learned about this Washington team and we'll get to the UCLA side in a second, but we're glass half full show here at cracked records. What a testament and a credit to the Huskies that they were able to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And just to put some stats to some of those first times that you were talking about, this is their first ever win against UCLA in LA. It's their first win since 2003. uh, And the only other one was in 2001. So this is program history for Washington. If you listen to Coach Stevenson's interview with you on the Cracked Interviews podcast, you know, she talks about wanting to beat UCLA and what that would mean for the program. And they did it. They did it in spectacular fashion. I think in doubles, they clinched, I believe, it in a tiebreak, mm-hmm. and then they sweep the two, three, and four. And you look at that, and that's probably not the recipe of su- for success you would think they would have against UCLA. You think UCLA is so strong up top, 
maybe you can eke out some wins against freshmen at the bottom, but that's not the way they did it, right? They were strong uh, in the middle of the lineup, which was just super impressive and, you know, took advantage of, of a really great opportunity for this team. And you always love to see programs like Washington who had, had flirted, um, you know, with kind of the top 16, top 10, a few years back, kind of come back this year and, and, and make a name for themselves. I think the if you would have asked Coach Stevenson, hey, Vanessa Wong's going to go 0-2 this weekend, how do you think you're going to do? She'd be like, eh, one and one? Like, I don't know, we'll be okay. And they still won both matches. And to your point, you look at that UCLA match for them to get, you know, two matches go to three sets, right? And they had dropped the second sets to both Bolton and Bagramov at those two and three singles positions. And yet they're able to take both back to back and just, you know, again, you felt like once the domino fell that fell at two, that three was going to go their way. And just, again, this was a team that's very injured last year. And, you know, we talked about that with Coach Steve. I always appreciate when I don't have to do the plugging. So thank you uh, for the free plug, my friend. But I'm a quick learn. Yeah, thank you. Exactly. You know what? Not a curmudgeon anymore. Um, but anyways, yeah, it's just... I, I feel like this was a team in particular that the pandemic slowed all of their momentum because you're right. You go back to 2019, them in Kansas, like those were two of the stories yeah. of the 2019 season, those two teams and their push through to the top 16 and just what they were able to accomplish. And then the pandemic hits and things get weird and now we're back to normal and it's the normal sort of weird. And yeah, again, it's a testament to this Washington team on the flip side, a loss to LMU to start the year. Now you lose to Washington at home as well. It's a rough start for the Bruins. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, Jay. Yeah, well, uh, no one beats LMU 27 times in a row. <laughs> um, so it, it, just, a, I mean, a rough start in Westwood for sure. And kind of inexplicably too, right? I mean, yeah, they have a lot of freshmen, but those are highly touted freshmen. You still have Forbes. You still have Bolton at the top of the lineup. That is a, a team on paper that should not be losing to LMU, regardless of what the talent looks like at four, five, six, seven. Not good losses. And I thought, in particular, against Washington, you know, they went up, they went up three one. Even though they dropped doubles, they put up three victories on the board against Washington, put the scoreboard pressure on. Credit to Washington, who hung tough, won some second sets, hung around it's it's concerning uh for ucla and and it'll be curious to see how they rebound they've got a good match coming up this weekend but there's not really much more to say other than it's been a really bad start here's the thing pepperdine twice usc twice cal twice you have the chance to make up some ground those are not easy matches though and you're at stanford this year and it's just like Again, you got Washington at home again, so you're going to get another shot at them. And certainly in a situation like this, it's very helpful if you a team beats you, but you beat them. Everyone wins in that sort of scenario with the way the rankings work. But I don't know. Are you hitting the panic button yet? It's just like it's the way they've lost these matches that are so concerning, right? These close third sets. And I suppose there's a silver lining there. It's like, well, two deciding points go our way. Shout out to the title. Uh, maybe we win the match. And I do think you can make that case if you're a UCLA fan. And that's why I'm not hitting the panic button because a three-set loss is a three-set loss. And that happens. Twice consecutively is certainly concerning, though. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about panic button with just such a, a storied program with such great coaches yeah. at the helm. They still have a, they have a ton of talent on this roster, right? It's not like the roster has been depleted. 
So I don't know about panic, but it's inexplicable, right? Like there's the start to the season and these are matches, you know, regardless of situations or circumstances, you don't lose one of them, let alone two. Um, so there's not, that's why it's concerning because you can't kind of figure out exactly why they lost these matches. Yeah, and in those, again, two Cal, two USC, two Pepperdine, one Stanford, so seven matches. Anything short of five and two now, man, I don't know how you're going to be a top five seed. I don't know how you're going to be a top eight seed. Like now you're playing catch up if you're the Bruins and that's just pressure to have to chase. But of course, if this team is clicking on all cylinders, certainly we'll be able to talk about them moving forward. But yeah, I mean, credit to Washington. That's a hell of a performance and we're going to get to see them now at the national indoors. It's not in Seattle folks. It's in Madison. They qualify on their own volition. Heck of a performance for coach Stevenson and the Huskies with all of that said, before we get to our number one most impressive team here on the weekend. And Scotty B, I know you've been chiming in in the chat. I appreciate that. I'm telling you this. We're never going to talk Jim Harbaugh unless he stays at Michigan on this podcast ever again. If he stays, we'll talk about him however much you'd like. Uh, But let's ignore that for now. But we are going to talk about some of the other regions that caught our eye, some of the teams, you know, advancing or who just missed our list. I think it's safe to say our first cut is the USC Trojans, right? Who were in a 4-3 win over Miami, who were in a 4-3 victory over Baylor. And yet, like, despite those 4-3 wins, and I do think my uh, USC was impressive in the way they fought and, you know, the way they fought back in particular against Miami for freshmen to deliver for them as well in in that second match. At the same time, like, I come out of those regions thinking I learned more about Baylor and I learned more about Miami and like that those two teams are both very, very good and right on the level. Like, I don't know, USC's top end talent certainly helped them win out here. I mean, USC is really good is a thing, but like, I don't know, had they won 4-1 or 4-0, then I might've said, okay, they're amongst the elite of the elite. That they won 4-3 over Baylor and Miami, that tells me, A, those two teams, better than I thought they were at the start of the season. But part B is like, okay, like USC's good. They're they're going to host an NCAA tournament region, but are they top 10? Are they top five? I'm not quite sure yet. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. My hot take is that I feel worse about USC after this weekend than I did coming into the weekend. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not a horrible take. It's not. <laughs> well, well, I'll explain it because we know how good that top two and a half is. I'll say, right. I think we still need to see more from snow Han at number three. We know how good that top half is. The bottom half is a big question mark for me. And now credit to USC because that's where they delivered this weekend. They got a win from Danielle Wilson. They got a win from Piper huge wins for them, but that's not, what I was expecting it to be. That wasn't the fashion I was expecting it to be in. And I know they don't have Naomi Chung back in the lineup. Maybe if she gets back in, she's a linchpin at four. Um, so th- those are question marks for me in terms of when they play these elite teams who have much more depth at four five and six, um, how does this USC stack up? And so, yeah, it feels more like, okay, maybe we're in the 12 to 16 range versus the eight to 12. Yeah, I I think that's a fair takeaway. Now, I'll say this. Wilson delivering at six on day one, that's exactly what you ask for from one of your upperclassmen leaders. And she fights off match points. That's incredibly impressive. We're not trying to minimize what she did. And for your freshman. Can we just pause on that match point? That 36-stroke match point was incredible after saving three match points. 
And what was so amazing, I'm blanking on her name, I apologize, the Miami player, how unwilling she was to hit anything but a forehand. She's like, oh, look, I'm hitting forehands here. And Wilson's like, all right, I know that's coming. I'll be ready for it. I'm going to try and attack that backhand wing. She was able to do it. And then again, freshman versus freshman down the home stretch of USC Baylor. That's what you ask for. That's what it's all about. And so it was awesome uh, to get the chance to see that matchup. And again, I think if you're Baylor, you're like, all right, we're very much still in the mix, right where we were last season. Ditto if you're Miami. You're like, all right, the new uh, people have, you know, all these pl- uh, all these new faces are fitting in and we've got some talent on our hands and let's just wait till we figure out who goes where and it all figures out. That said, Cayetano delivers for the Trojans. Selma Ewing delivers for the Trojans. Snow Han down the home stretch delivers for the Trojans. You know, again, they're still missing some faces as well, but it looks like they've got the pieces that's why I'm not quite, I feel worse about them. I I would hold, stocks holding for USC, I would say, after this weekend. If you want to sell a bit, that's fair. You beat me this weekend, so I think you listeners know who you should probably be listening to. Uh, with all of that said, again, there are a lot of other teams who advance. What we're going to do to keep ourselves in check. West off, I'm going to ask you to put five minutes on the clock here. We're going to rapid fire through the rest of these regions. West off, get that clock on the board. Let's rock and roll. UNC region, they advance. That scoreline against Tulsa in the final was scary. Jay. Well, they, yeah. they lost like a game. <laughs> it, was, it was a joke. It's just O's and ones. Yeah. Right? It's just zeros Binary. and ones. Yeah. Yeah, exact Morse code. Yeah, they're so they're like Westoff. Will you be interested in the scoreline here? Ones and zeros for yeah. you. And so, yeah, they and I'm not saying I'm wrong. I'm not seeding it yet because I still think I might be right long term. But the lineup for them: Mora one, Scotty two. What was it? It was Tran three, Tran three. Crawley four. Crawley four is a joke. I'm sorry. That's like Coach Calvis is winning if he gets Crawley at four, but like. That's the sort of talent they have that they can justify it. All right. We're going to move over uh, some of this uh, as we, again, continue to rock and roll here. Pepperdine, they advanced pretty comfortably. I thought it was a pretty good bounce back for them. It was still no Patrick Glave in the lineup, something to monitor moving forward. Yeah. And so we'll see as she gets healthy, she's back on team to her back on team. Notre Dame, Colorado, Columbia, anything from them. That was interesting to see how those other matches played out there. Yeah, no, nothing particular. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Look, there's a lot of tennis. It's hard to follow it all. Certainly, I would agree with that. All right, let's move on to our next region now, Georgia. I was on the tennis Twitter sphere. I, I was reading a lot of fond takes about the Bulldogs. Did not get to see them. Did you get to see any? I had to see a little bit of it. It was tough with the indoor setup and the four courts and, you know, being with you for five hours on Saturday. But, <laughs> uh, you know, this is a team that made the quarterfinals last year with Kowalski at three. She's at six right now. That's that's uh, that is a lock, right? That's what I, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. That's what I say about Super Producer Nana West stuff. I'm going for the Cleveland Challenger for four days. He's like, thank God. <laughs> um, although I think by day four we might miss each other, so you know we'll worry about that later. All right, Raleigh, NC State, Iowa State drops out of this region. Unfortunately, not able to make the trip. Shout out to Penn State for filling in in a pinch. You know, shout out to the Nittany Lions. Got to give them credit there. Uh, you look for it, NC State. Ultimately, pretty comfortable against uh, Penn State. Pretty comfortable, I thought, against Wake Forest. No new takeaway for me. Nope. Yeah, we learned more the previous weekend about NC State. I agree with you. Now, Florida, same deal. I think we knew they were going to be good. Florida State might be the takeaway from that region. Like, what is going on right now in Tallahassee? But, you know, Coach Thorquist has a team on his hands. Florida's, I feel... 
I, I think I'm where you are. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of Oklahoma, Florida comps. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, with the connective tissue being Sleeth, who transferred from Florida to Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, look, they're a deep team. They've got strength at the top of the lineup. There was no question they were going to get through the unmanned Florida State. That's the big question is where where is their roster? Yeah, and so that's something for us to continue to look at as well. You look elsewhere, Auburn win over UCF. I mean, Auburn dominated. Like, it was... I don't know. Auburn is Auburn the real, like, what did we learn about this? I was not expecting this sort of performance. They looked very good. Yeah. I wasn't either, particularly with UCF having Zaleva back in the lineup. She was at two for them. You know, Auburn is, has a really strong top three uh, and they, they flex their muscles there. I think UCF has struggled to start the season and I think Auburn capitalized, um, but that's another SEC team, right? You talk about Tennessee, Auburn. I mean, just the strength is is top to bottom going to be going to be much better this year than it was last year. Yeah, no, and so we'll keep an eye on the Tigers. Always sneaky quality program there in the SEC. And we talked about that SEC depth earlier. Uh, there's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, again, there's uh, it's uh, it's going to be a fun SEC season. All right, I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, we might finish on time. Cal cruised. I have nothing to say. Vanderbilt. That they didn't put, you know, had Vanderbilt made that 4-1, 4-2, maybe we circle them and move them up a tier in the SEC. I think they're probably four, five, six in the conference this season, and Cal's very, very good. Yeah, four feels very generous. Um, <laughs> Cal is, is just that good this year. Yeah, agree with you there. San Diego, by the way, pretty sneaky solid there yep. on the women's side. Last one, College Station. Texas A&M looked, val- validated our top 10 spot, I'll say. Now, South Carolina had some absences. Princeton, tough weekend. Floor is yours. Last seven seconds. Take us home. Princeton, panic button, 0-6. Going to be tough to recover. Freeman still looked good, though. Yeah, that's that's the sneaky takeaway. I'm going to give you bonus time there. I just won't say anything else. Any other thoughts on Texas A&M? Because that was a pretty good region. That was our most interesting region, right? Um, and they looked dominant. They did that without uh, Townsend in singles either. So, they're a deep team. Uh, Branstein recovered from her loss to Freeman. She looked really good against Texas Tech. The biggest surprise for me was the fact that South Carolina beat Princeton without three of their top four. Um, in terms of most surprising results in that region, that was where it came. Yeah, I would agree with you there. Well, then with all of that said, let's talk about our number one team, our number one region. That's got to be the action that happened in Atlanta. And our number one team is Old Dominion, who earns a 4-3 victory over the host Georgia Tech on night number one. They dropped the doubles point there. And, you know, again, for this uh, Old Dominion team to, in that match, get victories at the number one spot, number two spot, number five, number six. It was the balance of their performance there. And then, you know, for them the next day against Ole Miss, they take the doubles point and still they get a win at number one. They get a win at number two. And, of course, those names start up Seva, Sasnaskaya, two of the most successful players in the fall in doubles. They're the number three team in the country right now and you know they're showing some depth as well what a performance I mean for for this ODU team to make the national indoor spot for the first time coming off of their first conference USA uh, title last season and a team that's perennially 13 and 6 14 and 5 last year Jay I looked this up because we talked with their coach and there's a long form episode with him that all of you listeners will be able to hear on our cracked interviews podcast but you know, you look for this team last season. I'm pretty sure their losses were like North Carolina, North Carolina. I, 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 four or five of them were to teams that make the Sweet 16. The fifth one was their first match of the season to Penn State. So like last year, this team was right. They beat everyone they were supposed to beat and they lost their first match of the season. 
This year, they're beating some teams. And just like, this has always been a program in the mix. This just feels like that culmination, that breakthrough moment. That's why they're number one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you talk about program first qualifying for this list, right? This is the first time they're ever going to national indoors. You know, one of the few non-Power 5 teams who has made it in, in history. So what an incredible performance. This region we had tapped being a big question mark, right? We really didn't know much about Georgia Tech. We hadn't seen uh, Georgia's lineup at, 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 I mean, Michigan's lineup at full strength, excuse me, uh, and Ole Miss. But for ODU to come through here, just an incredible performance. You mentioned the uh, the doubles duo, number three in the country, but they came through at, at number one and number two singles. They both go 4-0 on the weekend, an incredible performance from both of them. And now they get to test their chops, right, at National Indoors. They're going to see at least three top 16, top 25 teams. And that will go a long way for, for their ranking and for hopefully making a deeper run in the NCAAs. Yeah. And look, big picture. I felt pretty good about our Wolverines. We're young. We, we looked good. Shout out to little sis. Julia Fliegner gets a three set win on day two. And I mean, if you're Georgia tech, Oh, and two, two, four, three losses. I, you're just like, come on. Like, how did this happen to us? And I still think though that I, they didn't look bad considering no Jones, no Flores. It's a new team. It's a, you know, new page for coach Harmon and the yellow jackets. I actually think that's still a pretty talented squad that will be a lot better come May. And they're going to get some good wins in the ACC, but yeah, like Ole Miss solid. And all these teams were solid and ODU just, they won the clutch moments. They won the clutch points. And they're just, there feels like there's some confidence and there's a recipe there. You feel like now they've got the name brand recognition with a number three doubles team in the country and, you know, multiple top one, you know, ranked singles players as well. And just veteran depth everywhere. This team, I, I like, I, I think now that they get this win as well, if they can scratch out a win at the national indoors and beat say, Oh man, if they could get a win over USC with what USC is going to do in the Pac-12, how great that would be for their rankings. But something like that, if they can just get a win over anyone not named Wisconsin, and I mean that lovingly, at the national indoors, now it's a show. Like now they've got top 16 seed sort of potential. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, and it also seems like they have scheduled more aggressively throughout yes. the rest of the year. And so this National Indoors is a huge bonus for them, right? They made that schedule maybe not thinking they'd make it to National Indoors, right? They're the only number four seed to qualify. Um, so that's going to be a huge bonus for them. And so if they can get one victory, none of those losses will hurt. They don't even need it uh, just because, you know, the strength of what I assume I assume Georgia Tech will bounce back. Mississippi will be boosted by the SEC, but just a program that now should believe that they belong. Uh, you know, they were dominant at one and two singles, so they can hang with anybody, particularly given the double strength. Yeah. And so, look, this is a team that we, you know, I've had them in my top 20 in my USTA poll that I submitted. I will say that candidly. And it's so funny to hear you talk about the scheduling because that's something Coach Manila talked about explicitly in the podcast we did today. Speaking of which, 
We have a clip from our coach of the week here at Crack Rackets, Old Dominion women's tennis head coach Don Manila, obviously for his team to advance national indoor championships for the first time, two, four, three victories for them as well. It felt like an easy, well, not an easy pick actually, because there were some fantastic, all of these coaches could have been picked, everyone who advanced. And, you know, again, we always want to shine a light on these programs like Old Dominion as well, who are these gems uh, you find throughout the college tennis universe. And so I had the chance to speak with Coach Manila earlier today. Now you're going to be able to hear that full conversation uh, over on our Cracked Interviews podcast tomorrow. But for now, via our friends at Swing Vision, here is a clip of my conversation with Old Dominion women's tennis head coach, Don Manila. Joining us on the show now, the man who arguably had the best weekend of anyone across the country. Of course, you may know him as the reigning ITA Atlantic Region Coach of the Year, the reigning Conference USA Coach of the Year, head of the Old Dominion women's tennis team. Welcome to our show, head coach Don Manila. Coach, congratulations on a fantastic weekend. How are you feeling today? Oh, I feel great today. Very excited for, uh, you know, the challenge ahead at the National Indoors, but very, very pleased and feel very fortunate to be in this situation. Yeah, I know. And it is a pleasure for us to have you. Really appreciate you taking the time. I can only imagine how busy things are for you over on campus, but let's get right into it. 4-3 win over Georgia Tech, 4-3 win over Ole Miss. Your team going to the IT National Indoor Finals for the first time in program history. Now, there have been a lot of, you know, firsts in a while for you. Last year, first conference title championship since 2001 and first NCAA tournament victory ever. With that in mind, with everything your program, all of these programs have gone through over the past 18 months, what do achievements like this mean to you and the team? I think those are the things that kind of keep us going. Um, you know, at a school like Old Dominion, to, to pull something like this off and to actually feel that you deserve it, not that you had it. It's a, you know, sometimes these types of events can be, you know, not uh, not the event itself, but sometimes these types of results can be a little fluky. And we don't feel like that at all. I feel like we feel very uh, deserving to be there. So that's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think those types of, those types of successes, those, um, you know, like this weekend, I wouldn't call it a micro success at all. That was a pretty successful weekend. But those types of things and, um, you know, any small success we could find really drives us, pushes us forward. Yeah. And, you know, again, for your team here this weekend, 4-3 win over Georgia Tech. Let's start there. Your team drops the yeah. doubles point. And obviously, you have a doubles team in Startup Seba and Sassanskaya who uh, had a ton of success over the course of the fall. And they're number three in the country as we enter yes. the dual match season. They're up 5-1. But respectfully, I mean, Georgia Tech works you at the two and three doubles position. Pretty comfortable yeah. victories for them there. What you say to your team in between and what response did you see from them to take those four singles victories? Um, yeah, you know, um, it wasn't to downplay. Um, you know, I think sometimes you lose a doubles point and then you try and downplay. And I think that wasn't our message. Our message was, hey, good job to the one, you know, kind of taking care of business. But number two, we needed to step up and those those players did. And then. Uh, and number three, I think that we just had a little bit of nerves. So we needed to kind of put some attention on those results that, hey, um, wasn't the way that we wanted to start it, but let's use that as a, a mental spark to bring that into the singles. I'm not sure how much that um, message worked because we went out and lost five first sets, but um, something um, something resonated with the team uh, that afternoon to pull it off. That's for sure. Yeah. And yeah but, had- then the, but our number two and three doubles teams actually are the ones who got it done for us. The next day against Ole Miss, a number two team, um, you know, they, they lost, I think it was 6-1 to Georgia Tech, and then they won 6-1 against, um, 6-1 or 6-2 against uh, Ole Miss. 
Yeah. And that's what I wanted to bring up. So to see your team respond the way they do the next day, to take that doubles point over Ole Miss and for it to not be the number one team to get the victories, as you point out. Again, yeah. you. It, I want to look big picture here because you bring back five players from last year's roster, four of them mm-hmm. back in the singles lineup here this season. And again, you look at last season's team, you know, five losses, four of them to teams that make the round of 16 or further the other, your first match of the season. Yeah. Did you feel pretty good about this group coming in? Or again, was this, you, you talk about it being yeah, a micro yeah. success. Is this a byproduct of the bigger picture? It's a byproduct of the bigger picture. Absolutely. Um, actually, we only had four returning singles lineup players uh, this year. Uh, we lost, uh, Brooke Bilkington was on our roster as a volunteer assistant this yeah. at the beginning of the year. Now she's an assistant at um, William & Mary as a full-time spot. So uh, yeah, we, but you're right. You know, and if you look at our schedule, we made a pretty tough schedule. And then we selected to go to Georgia Tech as the four seed. So, you know, unless I'm crazy, I had a lot of confidence in this group. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know, like this weekend, we, we um, sorry, not this weekend, tomorrow morning we leave, we head down to Gainesville, we play Florida Thursday mm-hmm. night, and then we play um, Miami Saturday night. So, you know, it's very challenging schedule. Um, you know, they're mostly all on the road, and then we return and go to National Indoors. So we, we're always pushing the group. Yeah, no, I, I reserve the right to figure out whether you're crazy or not. We'll find out, you know, as the season <laughs> progresses. But, you know, certainly you talk about the faith you have in this group. And it starts with that yes. top two in Startup Save Sasnaskaya. And obviously they have a fantastic fall on the doubles yeah. court. But uh, more particularly, you look this weekend, they win the, at the top two singles flights in both matches that they play. And to yes. get that yeah. effort from your top two, talk to me about what you've seen from this fall. Obviously, let's start with Yulia, the senior you're up top to deliver that sort of result. What does that do for the rest of your team? Well, Yuli has always been an inspirational figure in our program. Um, if you recall in the fall of 2000, um, it was before the pandemic hit, we had a player, um, we had Yulia and another one of our roster players, uh, Alessia Yakubovich, also cracked the top 10 in doubles. So Alessia's always done these types of things. She, um, you know, she's been a quiet leader for our group and somebody that everybody kind of looks up to just the way she goes about and handles herself, you know, and, and it's neat because she's she's quite quiet, but she's also kind of the social leader of our group. So she has a well-rounded approach to you know being a leader. She has tough conversations with players sometimes. You know, it takes a lot of pressure off of coaches, as you know, coaches have, coaches that have done this a long time. You know, when you have leadership amongst your your players, boy, that goes a long way. We were fortunate with that um, in the past several years. We've had great leaders mm-hmm. in our program. But when Yulia comes out and you see you know, she played number one against Georgia Tech. Let's just say, hey, let's say, you know, that's where everybody kind of looks to on the scoreboard first. They didn't have a scoreboard there, by the way. But when you <laughs> look at this scoreboard, you know, you see the number one score first and she lost her first set, I believe, 6 up. Mm-hmm. But then that resilience that she shows, you know, to get that second set, there's, there's, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that, um, you know, that, that you know, Tanya can look beside her, Tatiana Sasnoskaya. Tanya can look beside her and draw a little bit of inspiration, the same way that Yulia can look to her for inspiration. And it spreads down the lineup. And, um, you know, I think that that type of experience that Yulia has also, um, we talk about leaders in the program, it also provides a fair amount of composure for the coaches. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, you know, this weekend, you know, Brooke just got hired at William Mary, so we're, we're short-staffed on court at this level we're at. You know, you just need as much help as you can get when you're playing these good teams, uh, especially teams coached by like, you know, Rodney Harmons and Mark Byers and, you know, Alex Casati is, it's like just great staffs. And so, you know, we have leaders like that, it, you, it, you have great composure, your coaches as well. And I thought that we remained very calm throughout the entire uh, event, to be honest, but then throughout the entire Georgia tech, let's say kind of 
comeback that we staged that we kind of were calm and just kind of slow and patiently let it happen. And I think that starts with our players and the way they compose themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, I'm a nickname guy, so I would do this. Do you just call her star? I just think, like, Hey star, how are you doing today? Like you're our star. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look at our nickname even further than that, it's even more peculiar because it's, if you, it says star O to you. Yeah. Uh we we've all we've worked together for uh Yuli and I for five years now. So yeah. um, she's called me every nickname under the sun, <laughs> that's for sure. But <laughs> yeah. no, I've usually I've usually just stuck to Yulia with her. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure there are some profane <laughs> ones in there too, I won't announce now. But uh, uh she's she's a very cordial person. They're probably yeah. under her breath. I like it. Um, My last question for you here, as you look at this team, you talk about having the group that can do some special things and they've accomplished some special things over the past few seasons. You now have the trip to Madison on your schedule, obviously all that conference play still to go. What are you hoping to see from your group this season? Um, Well, you know, you want to compete for a conference title every year. Um, You know, those goals don't change Um, every, every year that we want our process to be a little bit better. Um, so we are we are really focused on the um, a, a more precise strength conditioning uh, regiment this year, especially with how much we're on the road. That's going to be important. We're really focused on a little bit more on um, quality nutrition and quality sleep. Uh, we've been doing some more sleep studies and type of stuff of stuff type of stuff like that because recovery is going to be so important for us, especially in this first leg um, going into national indoors. Wow, what a, what a what an honor it is to to compete in that first of all, and um, really uh, just. The team senses that, mm-hmm. you know, and um, they also sense that, hey, we're going up there to play the top 15 teams in the country, not who everybody thought were the top 15 last week. You know, right now you're going up there and go see the top 15, you know. And so, um, you know, it's just a pleasure to be part of the conversation. And we want to go up there and fight as hard as we can. Being a good player, you know, I love this great stat. You know, um, I think it was Dominic Rabarti. He says, hey, I'm 30 in, the, 30 in the world for my entire life, but I lose every single week. Yeah, <laughs> it's like wow you know that's that's something so we're that's something a growing process for us as well so we're going to play this tough schedule can't go out there and think you're going to go 20 and 0 every year you know you have to be resilient you know i think they they made that comment too you know college coaches jumping to the nfl but just not used to taking losses and, yeah. and dealing with them and building on them so that's that's where we as a program we're focusing on those things taking you know micro successes if we if we need to find those and uh building on on everything we can. Yeah. Well, again, no losses for you yet this season. Clearly it's working out so far. I have to, this is the final one I'll sneak in two, four, three results. Is that like, do you book a physical the next day and say like, I think I'm having heart palpitations, doctor. Like I really need some help right away. (laughs) I did not miss taking my blood pressure medicine on either (laughs) one of those days. So that's good. Good. I'm glad to hear. We'll coach again. And I, I keep drinking the water. And, uh, <laughs> so I'm saying, yeah, the electrolytes, right? You got to mix them in. It's yeah. just for you as well. Well, again, coach, congratulations on a fantastic weekend. Look forward to seeing you all in Madison and look forward to what should be an outstanding 2022 season. Thank you so much for having me. You to Old Dominion women's tennis head coach Don Manila for taking the time to join us again. You can hear our full conversation over on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. I got to give a shout out to super producer Daniel Westoff for being able to incorporate those interviews not only into our podcast feed, but also into our live show. He really is the best in the business, Jay. But with all of that said, we've now touched on all 15 regions. We hope you guys are well aware now of what happened over the past kickoff event 
Now we preview the week ahead, Jay, because yes, the national indoors, not this weekend, but the following weekend for the women, two weekends for the men or three weekends, however you want to say it. Point being, we've got some time before that, but the college tennis world never sleeps. And there are fantastic matches across the board. You can find all of them over on our friend Chris Helioris's website, College Tennis Ranks. Just click his week ahead tab. We filtered it down to some of the best here we see over the course of the next five days. Jay, with that in mind, give me your top three. What are you going to be watching most closely? Well, there's certainly no rest for the weary, right? Off the heels of the kickoff weekend, which actually is very easy to follow. Um, thankfully to like, you know, crack rackets and slam tennis and just have it all in one place. And now we all kind of disperse. But I think the first one I'm watching for here is Baylor versus Texas. We saw Baylor at the kickoff weekend. This is Texas's first real test of the year. So I'm interested to see how, you know, Collins and Shavathapan at two, at two and three step up there, as well as kind of the test for Texas at the bottom of the lineup in terms of those freshmen that we talked about uh, and kind of who plays four, five and six and how well they compete against Baylor, who feels pretty solid throughout one through six. Yeah. First of all, shout out to super producer Daniel Westoff, who messages us throughout this show and goes, sorry, I didn't put the graphic in chronological order. I promise you were the only one who noticed that super producer <laughs> Daniel Westoff. That's why you're the best in the business. But he wants me to apologize on his behalf. I, I agree, especially because what if Rapalu being down that low? What if it's like, OK, but we're going to pull the freshman and play her here against Baylor because we like her experienced hand in this instance. And at the same time, this is a Baylor team that did not qualify for the national indoors that was expecting Washington this weekend. Unfortunately, now not going to get Washington as they're preparing for the national indoors, but it's a hungry team, right? Like this is a Baylor team that last year when it lost, it was usually to Texas. Like, what was it? Four losses on the year or five and all but one was to Texas, the other to Duke. Like Texas is the enemy. And it's enemy number one for the Baylor Bears. I think it does have to make the list. I would agree with you. With that in mind, give me number two. So the next two is cheating because I'm taking two matches here. Uh, it's <laughs> well, the it old... would be a crack rackets podcast <laughs> without cheat. a little cheating. Yeah. Um, so I'm taking the Old Dominion swing here through Florida. We talked about the scheduling of Old Dominion. This is what I was referring to. They take on the Gators on Thursday and then Miami on Saturday. This is a really interesting road swing to me. First of all, both Florida, Miami, top 25 teams. Uh, we saw Miami's success, um, you know, how good they were against USC, Florida, obviously qualifying old dominion on the road. And, you know, they get to test and see how good continue that momentum from the kickoff weekend. Yeah. I, I, Talk to Coach Manila about that swing. He's, he's like, why did I schedule it like that? Because I have the team to do it. And, you know, again, after the weekend they have, I don't want to say, oh, and two is unacceptable, but it's a little bit of a balloon pop. Like they want to go get a win. I think one and one, you feel good about yourself coming out of that outdoor swing. And it's funny because you go outdoor in Florida to indoor in Madison, Wisconsin. Trust me, that's a swing, um, especially if Madison, Wisconsin in February is going to be like it was last time we were all up there when, you know, in Nielsen Tennis Center it was 47 degrees. It was I loved it. But, oh, man, was it something. Um, anyways, that's I, I agree. I think it has to be number two. How real is this ODU push? If they go one and one, it's real. They're a top 20 team. And, again, a win over Miami, which will get tons of ACC matches, or a win over Florida, you will be in the top 16 mix. And so I agree. Cool that I you have them number two. I believe you're cheating again for number one, right? It wouldn't be a cracked racket show. Ain't cheating, ain't trying. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this is what I'm calling the, the blue blood special. We've got North Carolina at Michigan, and then we've got UCLA at Pepperdine. And two interesting matches, different narratives here. Obviously for UCLA, 
tough test against a very good Pepperdine team coming off the heels of two really disappointing losses for them. So curious to see how they bounce back. And also, you know, Pepperdine lost to Cal. They kind of steamrolled through kickoff weekend. Like, what do they look like against UCLA? I think we'll learn a lot about both these teams here. Yeah, Forbes, bounce back. She's going to need to deliver. Alicia Bolton is too good to lose ever at number two singles. And so I want to see her bounce back as well. And then all of these new faces. But you're right. For this Pepperdine team, if you're the team we talked about in our College Contenders episode, you will win this match over this UCLA team comfortably. You will see that that's a wounded group and you're going to smell blood in the water and you're going to capitalize on that. And so I agree. I think that match has to be on the list. I'm also, I'm going to steal number one from you. Come on. It's not a Crack Rackets podcast. We don't spend 20 seconds on something Michigan related. And of course, Wolverines playing host to the Tar Heels. Is there any world where Michigan wins this match, Jay? Your imagination. fair that's why i wore the michigan sweater with coach manila right <laughs> always got to rep the wolverine no i mean it's still interesting what does carolina do with the lineup are they pulling faces as well if they pull anyone i will feel disrespected um but it's hard. i mean i feel like carolina is still carolina right so you go on the road if you're north carolina you're always going to get everyone's best shot and like this Wolverines team is young. They're hungry. It's a good litmus test to see just how good they are after clearly progressing throughout last weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And they're going to be disappointed that they didn't make national indoors, right? And they're going to want a shot here at UNC because they're going to not have a shot at indoors at some of the top teams. So they'll absolutely give North Carolina their best shot. This is North Carolina's first, I would say, um, some serious test of the season. You know, that Georgia match with North Carolina was canceled. So we didn't get to see that. You know, we saw them steamroll through their kickoff weekend. So it will be a good test for both teams. It'll be good prep for UNC for indoors. And it'll be a good litmus test for Michigan to say how good they need to be by the end of the year. Cut the clip, West stuff. He called Michigan a real test for Carolina. Cut the clip. I want everyone to hear that uh, moving forward. No, those are your most interesting matches of the week. And, of course, there are plenty of them across the board to find all the scores. CollegeTennisRanks.com week ahead. Of course, you can follow things with the ITA as well. With all of that said, we want to get to our Crack Rackets top 10 rankings before we conclude today's show. But we have to give another shout out to our friends at Swing Vision who are revolutionizing the way all of us can analyze our own tennis games. It's one app on your phone. You set your camera up, you play for an hour. Swing Vision has it covered. They're going to analyze your game from every angle, from ball trajectory to forehands made, forehands missed, approach shots, volleys. They're going to categorize for it all you all as well. Make it really, really simple to document what you're doing when you are on court. And of course, our friends at Swing Vision actually spoke with our friends at Tennis Channel on Tennis Channel Live Show. They asked that we share some of that conversation. Just let you listeners know, again, what is happening with the Swing Vision app. So Westoff, let's roll that clip now and show our listeners what our friends at Swing vision are all about again a huge thank you to our friends at swing vision for their support of our efforts here at crack rackets moving forward we're excited to talk with all members of the swing vision team and again let all of you listeners viewers know how you can get started with swing vision as soon as tomorrow but of course with all of that said just one thing left for us to do here on this show, Jay. That's unveiled the first edition of our Crack Rackets top 10 poll of the season, of course. You know, the voters, it was it was a split ticket here in our first poll of the season. And 
I guess I'll let all of you listeners know, voters in this Crack Rackets poll, myself, Jay, we come up with our top tens. We split the difference. Worth noting, we're all, well, never mind. I was going to say something that might have gotten us in trouble. I'm not going to say that out loud. But yes, again, we are, uh, he and I vote together and we make our list 10 points for one, one point for 10. This is what we ultimately came up with. Our number one team right now in the country, Texas, two UNC, three Cal, four UVA. Now we had a split ticket on our number five teams. NC State Pepperdine ultimately tied in that spot. UGA seven, Oklahoma eight, A&M nine, Ohio State 10. All of you viewers will get to see the ITA new coaches poll tomorrow. Listeners will get to hear this podcast with the uh, new poll available as well. So we'll see how things compare. Jay, I know you're a little bit frustrated with some of our Crack Rackets voters, right? Explain why. Well, you know, there's just one voter in particular I've been a little frustrated with. Um, west off. <laughs> yeah, West off. Um, no, I mean, this is a little behind the curtain because we have our combined view here. But, you know, I, I had Pepperdine a little bit higher, I think, as we um, as we make these rankings. Right. There's a combination of results and potential. And certainly it skews more towards results as you move further and further in the season. So I Pepperdine a little higher. I still think, you know, I think that loss to Cal will prove to be a very good loss given the strength of that Cal team. And then the only other one I would probably debate is the inclusion of number 10, whether that should be Ohio state or Duke, you know, Duke is, is off this list here. Obviously they lost to Oklahoma, uh, but they did get the win over Ohio state at home last weekend. So I think that's one of the other ones um, up for debate for, as we include in our top 10. Yeah, no, look, I had Oklahoma a little bit higher than you, I think. And I, I think I had them all the way up at, I mean, I can say that it's my vote in USTA poll. I think I had them at number six because I just think a win over a victory over Duke, who has already beaten, you know, both Princeton and uh, Ohio State at home. And I think, you know, that win, probably a more valuable win than the Buckeyes two wins over Tennessee and Oklahoma State. So that's why I would push them a little bit ahead. At the same time, you look at a team like UVA, their win over Stanford is probably the best individual win on the board of those teams that aren't pretty clear cut top three. Like, I don't know. You can disagree with the order, but Texas UNC and Cal is your top three right now. Cal beats Pepperdine and with all due respect, Texas UNC may not have the wins yet, but they've earned that pedigree. They've earned that right to sit at the top of the rankings. It's a new roster for Pepperdine. And again, if they win this weekend over UCLA comfortably, and they've got the national indoors ahead of them, I agree with you they're not going to be outside of the top five for much if at all of this season right now there's still enough unknown that like yeah tied for fifth it's low like by now for sure if this is a stock price but yeah I, I guess it's I'm rewarding the wins right now more than I suppose anything else I am the ITA ranking system for better or worse yeah. um yeah and I think you know I was probably a little higher on Georgia they're the team right yeah. now that is the most, I would say, untested of this top 10 that we just haven't seen enough of. And they have so many new pieces even coming in through January. So, you know, I'm excited to see where where they fall when they stack up against other top 10 teams indoors. But overall, you know, we were pretty in lockstep in terms of the teams that we think are top 10 teams. I was also so confident in my convictions. I'm like, Texas A&M's in my top 10. And now all of you will understand why. Um, I feel good about, I feel like not, like again, them being at nine right now speaks to the quality of the other teams because I think Texas A&M is a very good team. I cannot wait for them to play Georgia later on this season. That's a match I absolutely have circled in my calendar. But those are our top 10 teams. 
And that's our recap of what we are affectionately calling week two of the college tennis season. Is it week three, week four? We'll figure out the nomenclature later for now. That is our ITA kickoff weekend recap here on the deciding point. Of course, we will be back Thursday to recap all the men's action. Talk about our men's top 10. We'll have either a coach or player of the week may change things up on all of you listeners, but a pretty similar format for that. Just two far, far uglier faces in Matt Sikoyak and Chris Halioris going to be joining me on that show with all of that said though i want to give you before i go to the plugs jay any final thoughts any lasting memories from what was certainly had to be i mean after last year only seven regions to have 15 back there was some chaos but i was like uh i mean 30 in total it's just like ah, we're home i'm like oh this is nice (laughs) yeah and shout out to slam tennis who made it so easy to follow uh otherwise without that the the doubling of the teams. I'm not sure I could have handled it. So overall, you know, it's funny, it's called kickoff weekend and it's, it, it kicks off the season ceremonially, but now more so I feel like because this week coming is like a true full college tennis week. We've got the matches lined up, like everything is ready to go. So we're in it, right? Whether it's week two, week 10, week five, who knows, but we are officially underway with a lot of action and I'm excited to, to keep it going. Crazy to think one week, it's like, okay, now we have enough data for a poll. It's like, but you do feel that way. You're like, all right, at least we've gotten to see all these teams compete twice on a weekend. And, you know, now a couple of weekends consecutively. Yeah. The biggest takeaway, parody, name of the game. It is going to be an exciting 2022 college tennis season. Of course, again, we're going to be here each and every week, 9 a.m. We're going to try and tighten these down to an hour. Certainly 9 p.m. You're in bed 9 at 9 a.m. That's well, you know, am I? You know, the night is still young at 9 a.m. Um, but yeah, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you, Jay. Every Tuesday, we'll be talking uh, about all the action happening across the college tennis world. Of course, we'll be doing the same Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Of course, a lot of podcast conversations with a lot of fantastic coaches that I think I'll hold up well right now on our Cracked Interviews podcast feed. You can go hear the rest of my conversation with head coach Don Manila as well there and all of our content available on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, our mini break podcast, Cracked Interviews podcast, YouTube channel to ensure you don't miss any of the content. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, uh, at Crack Rackets, at AL Gruskin, at J Tweets Tennis. You can find all of us. Let us know your thoughts. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? We want to hear it. A shout out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff. Best in the business, folks. And hopefully all of you watched on YouTube to see the work he puts into these shows day in, day out. He is no one I'd rather work with. Uh, And shout out as well to our friends at Swing Vision, the lifeline that powers us here. Point in, point out as we decide all of these points throughout the season. Again, I thank you to them. Look forward to expanding our partnership moving forward. With all that said, 90 minutes on the dot, Jay, for our fantastic co-host, John Parsons, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell the people? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.